Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region, The Marcus Warren Show. I am your host, financial advisor, tax and world agent, and author of the Retirement and Tax Playbooks, Marcus Warren, and I hope everyone is doing well on the Sunday. And to my leftish, actually kind of in front of me, I am joined by our resident tax professional, D. How you doing, D? Hello and happy Sunday. And remember that if you miss any parts of the show and you want to catch up on anything you missed, all you have to do is subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast via Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, throughout the show, we will be offering our retirement rescue game plan. Now, what is that, you might ask? Well, it's a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threaten your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. Now, in that game plan, you'll get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. And you can simply order that by going to warrenwealth.net. That's warrenwealth.net. Go to that site, put in your information, and that retirement rescue game plan will be delivered free of charge to your front door. Once again, go to warrenwealth.net. Now, um, on to the show. So we are in the, uh, what was, what's today? The um, 26th. 27th. 27th. There you go. We're uh, one day away from the end of February, uh, heading into uh, March. Uh, hopefully we get uh, some better weather, um, some spring-like weather. I know spring doesn't officially start until uh, the 20th or, or the 20th. I think it's the 20th is the first day of spring of, of March, but uh, I am tired of this, of this cold weather. Um, it is getting, uh, it's, it's, it's weighing on me, D, you know, it's weighing on me. So, uh, anyway. Yeah, um, I agree. Even though it's been kind of a mild winter, we haven't seen a lot of snow. A mild winter? Yeah. I Why mean, is I guess that? it is, I guess it is just cause of no snow, no snow. And I feel like we haven't had many days that were below freezing. I don't know. It's, those are just my feelings. Well, first of all, we're I, not we're not Minnesota, yes. so we're not going to see a bunch of days that are below freezing. Okay, um, is that or, your Minnesota or, accent? Yes, Minnesota. yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Okay, you know. Anyway, um, that that's as good as it's going to get. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into some money matters. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. All right. So, you know, we have a, um, um, a few things that we're going to uh, hit on uh, today. Uh, but first, of course, we got to uh, talk about the uh, elephant in the room here, you know? All right. So um, we obviously are not at war. But yeah, there is, oh good gosh, there is a war uh, that is uh, going on and that is, uh, we all know that Russia has attacked uh, Ukraine and we know that the conflict already has led to uh, the loss of, of, of life and really has the potential to displace a lot, you know, probably millions of, of people Um and of course, uh, Americans and uh, investors have been witnessing uh, this war in Eastern Europe. Eastern mm-hmm. Europe, yeah. Um, and it poses some financial risk. So, um, of course, there's been sanctions on uh, Russian oil, um, which has caused uh, oil prices to, to to increase. Yes. Of course, we already have our inflationary fears um, when we've seen prices rising, or, or consumers here have already seen prices rising, um, and uh, we know that the the Fed or the, or the central bank um, has talked about fighting inflation uh, with uh, higher interest rates, things of that nature, and uh, it could make uh, you know if, if we have. Uh, higher uh, interest rates uh, on the horizon. Uh, we have this war that is causing oil prices to go up. Um, and then, of course, when there is uncertainty in the air, what do we generally see? We see stock market volatility. 
and uh, so it could make this year uh, pretty painful for investors. And so, of course, the the, the market they they have reacted um, uh, to these uh, developments um, with, of course, stocks selling off as uh, a lot of uh, investors have started to dump uh, their their equities uh, and stocks and look for um, you know some some safe havens, uh, so to speak. Um, we saw gold jump up um, just because that's what happens when people get scared. Um, they they rush to gold. Um, the Dow Jones, uh, the S&P 500, they are in correction territory so far year to date. Uh, they're down close to a, around 10%. Uh, the NASDAQ is already in bear market territory. The NASDAQ is... Uh, down uh, about 20%, uh, really uh, over 20% since uh, if you go back to mid-November. Um, and it's really been a nerve-wracking um, time for, for investors. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know I, I know that, that this, you know, when, when there's increased volatility, um, especially with the conflict or the war now starting to, to escalate, uh, you know, markets for the most part uh, get a little jittery, and more so it's investors who really get jittery. Think about um, um, uh, the last couple of days, uh, Thursday and Friday, uh, when, when the market was open. The market on Thursday, it was down pretty significantly. And if you're watching it, you probably were spooked and scared. But by the end of the day, the market ended up, right? And so hopefully, which I don't think probably happened, hopefully most investors didn't panic and, and do anything rash. But... When we look at uh, the outflows uh, uh, of of uh, uh, outflows out of the market uh, during that time period, of course, a lot of investors investors moved money out, um, and you know this is typical. When you know we talked about behavioral finance, uh, I think on our last show or, or, or one of our shows, and we know that when there's uncertainty in the market, what happens? People get super nervous and they get super scared and they let the emotions creep in right now. It's a bunch of fear. And if you looked at all that red on the screen on your CNBC news feed or whatever it is, you probably got a little nervous, called your broker or if you do it or, or if you're a do it yourself or you jumped out. And then of course the market ended up last, um, uh, on Thursday, uh, last Thursday. And then of course, Friday was pretty much steady, uh, uh, steady Eddie also. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to continue to see these short spurts of uh, market volatility. But let me give you at least, we'll say four or five pieces of advice when there's a lot of uh, uncertainty out there, especially during this, uh, uh, this uh, conflict or this war uh, out there over in the Ukraine. All right. So number one, and these are going to be just general rules of thumb. A couple of them are some, you know, are, are might be a little um, something that, that that you haven't heard before. But number one, you have to be diversified, right? You don't want all your eggs in one basket. You have to be diversified across uh, regions, uh, sectors, asset classes. Um, if you are diversified, it reduces your exposure to these risks, especially related to crisis uh, in, in the Ukraine, um, or of course, or or to any. Um, uh, risk that can cause volatility in the market. You have to make sure that you are diversified because, you know, especially when, when, when there are drops uh, in the market um, driven by um, these types of geopolitical uh, events, they're typically short-lived. And if you have a well-diversified portfolio, you can weather those storms. But if you're, say, tech-heavy or just uh, uh, market, just, just you, you have most of your eggs in that market basket, um, it can cause for a lot of stress. Um, uh, a, a lot of things that, uh, or, or some things that uh, I've seen people do when, when, when we're talking about diversification is they try to hedge um, with uh, commodities. And what do I mean by that? So um, Commodities are things like oil, gold, things of that nature uh, that people run to when the stock market starts to, um, uh, I don't want to say tank, but when, when it starts to, to uh, experience these, these wide swings. And so could you potentially hedge with things such as gold, may, heck, maybe even uh, uh, some oil investments, things of that nature? Possibly, but um, I wouldn't try to time 
uh, the market or try it. If you, if, if you're not invested in gold, if you're not invested in oil, don't just jump to those. Cause that makes uh, no sense to try to time these things and try to uh, make a quick buck because those things do tend to go up, especially when there's geopolitical conflict. Um, I think the U S dollar is going to be strong. Uh, how does that reflect into um, uh, your portfolio or an uh, average individual investors portfolio? Well, um, you know, cash, um, you know, cash is, 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 is always king. Um, if so, if you have investments that, um, if you really just can't take, uh, the ups and downs of the market, number one, you probably have way too much risk in your portfolio, right? If, if, if you're stressing out, if, if you're pacing back and forth, uh, if you've worn your carpet down, uh, uh, to the nubs for the, for the most part, uh, then you probably have too much risk in your portfolio and you need to reevaluate and sit down with somebody who can uh, get you in the correct all, uh, allocations. Um, I do not give financial advice on the, I'm sorry, I do not give stock picks on uh, this show and I'm going to continue not to. Um, but I will say that, you know, the tech industry has taken a, a, a big hit. I said it's down over, over 20% since November, and that's the most oversold that, that we've seen, uh, the tech stock since, uh, 2014, 2015. Um, I'm not saying that this is a, a good time to buy, but what you're generally supposed to do, um, is do what, uh, D, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to buy low. Yes. And then sell. Hi. Right. And so if the uh, certain investments and stocks are low, there could be some buying opportunities. But like I said, check with your uh, advisor um, before you make any investment decisions. And then, of course, last uh, last thing I want to talk about is you have to just keep calm. Like I said earlier, this may be a wise time to not check your brokerage account every day, especially if you're a long-term investor, right? Seeing, you know, those waves of, of, of red that, that, that you'll see when you turn on CNBC, um, that can be stress inducing, right? And it's pointless because in the long run, the stock market as a whole tends to do well. Now it's, it's definitely impossible to judge, you know, the, the precise magnitude of, you know, these, these geopolitical events on the market, but these events have generally not prevented stocks or equities from moving higher over uh, longer time horizons, heck, even medium time horizons, right? The greatest risk from crises, from crises, crises, whatever, however you say that, like this, it comes from overreacting and under diversifying. So you have to make sure that you don't overreact and you're not under diversified. That's probably not a word you've ever heard. Under diversified. Mm -mm. But I think it's important for investors to uh, remain calm, keep a calm stance, and a broad, long term perspective. There you go. All right, coming up next, we're going to uh, jump into D's Tax Corner. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. So, we got TLC. That's what's playing. That's right. And this song is called Waterfalls. Now, this song came out in 1994. Number one in the U.S., number four in the U.K. All right. There are big hits here. And um, we're playing this song because it's uh, one of the members... Birthdays? Mm-hmm. Chili. Chili. Okay. Uh, Rosanda Thomas. Yeah, Rosanda. A.K.A. Chili. There you go. Happy birthday. Chili. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Anyway, welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. Remember, you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. That's warrenwealth.net. And you will receive a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risk that threatens your nest egg. We're talking about market risk, inflation risk, and most importantly, tax rate risk. You got to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS. Once again, go to warrenwealth.net. All right, let's get into fun, some... Uh, uh, quick oh, fun fact. So yeah. she wasn't the uh, original C in TLC. 
Uh, oh. She replaced a founding member named Crystal Jones and was nicknamed Chili so that they could keep their name TLC. Otherwise, right. it wouldn't make sense. Right. Not, well, or you could just change the name. Or I mean, because they weren't big then. I mean. They just didn't want to change the name. So right. they were like, let's Can get you, you a nickname. something else besides Chili? Chili. I mean, maybe. Maybe she really liked Chili. Yeah, I know. Or she was chill. Say, yeah, yeah. And, or she yeah. was cold all the time. Yeah, could cool. be any of those. Yeah, well, I, I doubt it because they're in Atlanta. People generally aren't cold all the time in Atlanta. Anyway, let's get to D's tax corner. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. Or woman. So before, real quick, before we get into the tax corner, I wanted to just uh, add a quick note to what we were talking about in the first segment. Um, obviously, the... Invasion of, of Ukraine by Russia, um, you know, has has some impacts on markets. It might, you know, cause a lot of stress for people who um, have their savings in the market. But I, you know, also wanted to bring it to a personal level. As you know, I'm from Bosnia. Um, there was, you know, and, and the, this invasion is kind of reminiscent to me of, of the War of Yugoslavia, where, you know, you talk about displacement of people. And yes. Um, just, you know, that's, that's why we ended up here, um, in America is because there was a war going on. We had to basically leave our home. Yeah. And come here. And so, you know, just on a personal level, it's, it takes its toll. Of course, you know, the war takes its toll on, on people and, and just my heart goes out to the people in Ukraine and, and even, you know, people on the Russian side who, who might be against the war or who might, you know, have some devastating impacts as a result. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it it is it's it's unfortunate enough, and, and I did forget that uh, that's why you are here today that's because right. there was it war in you Eastern Europe. Yeah, major way, uh, major way uh, over to the United, the great United States of the America. Yes, and I'm very Thank grateful us. to be here. All right, now let's talk about let's, uh, some taxes. some taxes. Okay. Which so, people would say is not such a great thing about these, these great United States of America having to pay a good portion of your income to the government. Yes, and today I really want to talk about the importance of tax considerations in financial planning. Uh-oh. And we've talked about before how most financial advisors won't or really can't offer tax advice simply because they're not qualified to do so. But what they do uh, say is, hey, we'll partner with a CPA. It's all good. You know, come over here, still work with us. We, we're, we've got that tax side covered because we partner with a CPA. Or just withhold 10%. There you That's go. a big one, too. Whenever just you're taking a, distribution, a, a yes. distribution, just just withhold 10%. You're, yeah. you're good. That's enough. Um, and, of course, we know that this doesn't always provide the correct tax advice for clients. And so I have a perfect story to kind of demonstrate why not all advisors are the same and the importance of really making sure that you're working with qualified professionals. So I have a tax client who last year in the fall switched financial advisors and in doing so transferred assets from one brokerage to another. And he had a taxable brokerage account, which was invested in mutual funds. Now for people who might not be familiar with how this works, a taxable account, you're paying taxes as the money grows. So if you have dividends, interest that are paid out, for example, you're going to pay taxes on that income, even if you maybe reinvest those dividends back into the fund, even if you don't necessarily take them out and cash them, you still owe taxes on that. Mm. And mutual funds um, can be tricky because they're a pool of investments. So depending on timing, you could potentially buy into a mutual fund. And at the end of the year, the fund manager sells out of some of the investments, you receive a capital gain distribution for uh, your portion of any gain that the fund itself might realize, even if you your own personal investment happens to be down at hmm? that time. I know. Hmm. It's tricky. Yes. Yeah, I'm just going to be in the back here just making these sound effects like, yeah. and hmm. Okay. Very helpful. Thank you. So, <laughs> like I said, this can be tricky. People are often confused about how they're receiving a capital gains distribution when their investment is down, but it all has to do with the way mutual funds work. You're buying into a pool of investment products that are also owned by other people, aka mutual. It's a mutual fund. There you go. So back to my tax client who changed financial advisors. He had a significant sum of money in a taxable brokerage account that was invested in mutual funds. And for some, I think, insane reason, the new advisor decided to sell out of a large sum of the funds that the client was invested in, and it resulted in almost $80,000 in capital gains. Now, I'm going to tell you, you said for, for some reason, 
um, and I'll give you, uh, you, and I'll also give uh, the listeners uh, some advisor confidential, uh, which basically means some, some I'll, I'll give you the, uh, the underbelly of the financial services industry. So when you are, when you have another advisor that, that you've been working with and you're considering making a switch, um, depending on uh, who you're moving your money over to, sometimes um, that new firm, they may have proprietary funds, they may have funds that, that benefit them, uh, they may want to, uh, you know, reallocate your portfolio and invest your, your money in different assets. And in doing that, they will just go ahead and blindly sell whatever you had at your previous advisory firm, not, of course, concerned or even worried about tax implications. Yep. I think that's uh, exactly what happened. And we all know that, or we might not know, but now you will know, uh, capital, long-term capital gains are taxed at favorable tax rates, meaning they're lower than ordinary income tax rates. So this would have been really smart if the client's only income for the year was the $80,000 in capital gains. Because as a couple filing married, filing joint, you can actually experience and realize up to 80,000, just a little over $80,000 in capital gains each year and pay zero taxes on it. Zero. Zero. Mm. Zero percent tax rate. Now the problem is, of course, the client had other taxable income. So adding $80,000 in capital gains on top of his other income caused just the gains to be taxed at 15%. This significantly, and I really think unnecessarily, increased his tax liability because there are tax-efficient ways to sell out of funds in a broker, in an individual taxable brokerage account, yeah. um, and, and transition and the funds over to the new to the new firm, right? Without incur without doing it all at once, but in one the, tax year. But then the broker wouldn't make their commissions all in, at that same time, you know? Yeah, they could have waited you know, literally two months uh, Allegedly, for the new not tax saying year. that that's what they were doing, allegedly, but that you see that. Like, yeah. let's go ahead and sell them out, put them in this, collect the commissions, and, you know, whatever Worry about tax later. implications are out there. Uh, we don't, you know, they're like, we, yes. we don't. We don't provide tax advice. We don't provide tax advice. Mm-hmm. So, so there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So if anybody else is in a similar situation where your financial advisor broker does not provide tax advice, I highly recommend speaking to a, a tax professional first before any of these decisions are made because they can be done in a more tax efficient way. It's right. going to save you money in the long term. You know, and, and, and I don't want to do a, you know, a commercial for, you know, Warren Wealth Management and, and, and what and what we do, but I will for about a quick 15, 20, 20, 30 seconds. So most advisors, they, most financial advisory firms and brokerages, you ask them anything about taxes, they're going to push you off. Or if they're trying to entice you that they do something with taxes, they're going to say that they partner with somebody when really that partnering isn't a internal partnership. It's an external partnership and they really don't know and they don't have their finger on the pulse of what's going on in your tax scenario. We are a little bit different where we do that all in house. So the left hand knows what the right hand's doing. I say this all the time, meaning that if we're making a distribution decision, if we're selling you out of something, we're thinking of, we're thinking of it from a tax perspective. And then of course, vice versa. So you, if we're going to sell out of something, just like you're saying, we're not going to stick our clients with a, an 80, a, bl- a blind $80,000 capital gains, especially if it could be, if it could be spread out, offset against some capital losses, whatever that may be. These are the things that um, we do. Sorry. Go ahead. That's it. All right. There you go. So that was uh, D with the uh, tax court. And I'll tell you what too, um, you know, there's these different silos. People, People, financial advisors, CPAs, they work in their own silos. And, and like I said, when your broker or your advisor says that they've partnered with a CPA firm or they can refer you out to a CPA firm, whatever that may be, they all are working in their own silos. They, they aren't working collaboratively to look out for the best interest of you. And you really have to make sure that um, uh, you understand that. If you understand that, then, you know, more power to you, but most don't. So please beware when you go into these relationships with these advisors who claim that they 
know about taxes because most of the time they don't. That's right. Or woman. All right. Coming up next, we're going to uh, dive into some uh, some solid information about black buying power, since it is uh, almost the last day of Black History Month. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. Right, here we go. So, this is uh, more TLC, and this is uh, No Scrubs. <laughs> this song came out in 1999, um, number one in the uh, U.S., yes, it was. number three in the U.K., <laughs> uh, big song for them, there you go. This is when they were uh, coming up, coming into their own. You know. And of course, it is Chili's birthday, who is a member of TLC. So there you go. Anyway, welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. And remember that you can get that retirement rescue game plan by going to warrenwealth.net. You'll get a copy of my two books. A, financial, a few financial reports and access to my webinar entitled Taxes and Retirement. And all you have to do, once again, is go to warrenwealth.net and that retirement rescue game plan will show you how to put more money in your pocket and less in Uncle Sam's. All right, so it is the last, not last day, it's almost the last day of um, Black History Month, so... Um, I wanted to do something that uh, is, focus, is focused on um, uh, African-Americans, uh, specifically uh, buying power. So um, a recent, uh, uh, some recent information came out that black buying power, it topped $1.6 trillion uh, last year, 2021. So that's... Uh, that's a good step up 171% from uh, or over the last 20 years. Now, um, you know, to uh, throw some, some cold ice water on that, it's lags Hispanics, which was over 280%, and Asians, that was over 380%. But nevertheless, uh, going up 171% is nothing to scarf at. So let's... Uh, Let's talk about this. Let's talk about buying power versus net worth. Because at the same time, uh, we saw uh, African-American or black net worth fall about 14%. And so, you know, the, the, growth, in, uh, the growth in black buying power, uh, it stems in part from really an increase in uh, the number of black-owned businesses, as well as an uptick in education among um, uh, African-American population, of course, which leads to higher income. Um, and so let's talk about this. So all this points to um, income growth, which is a good thing. However, the this rapid growth of uh, buying power uh, over the last 20 years has caused many to, I say, incorrectly equate uh, buying power or the capacity to spend with an increase in net worth or wealth. And this is because of what I call a flawed uh, reverse logic. So with that what that flawed reverse logic is, is basically that the more wealth you have, the more you are able to spend. That's true. And thus, therefore, the more you are able to spend, the wealthier you must be. And that is not true. So let's dive into this. So first of all, <clears throat> wealth is not what you make. It is what you keep. And so buying power, uh, by definition, it can't be wealth because you no longer have it because you've exchanged it. You've exchanged it for uh, you've exchanged that money that you've made for goods and services. Right. So when we hear about this one point six trillion dollars of buying power, 
uh, basically that money is, is, is spoken for. Um, and so uh, you use that money, that money comes in, and what do you use it for? Goods and services. You know, you got to eat, you got to have a roof over your head. Uh, you know, you, uh, you know, you have to have a car, things of that nature. And so uh, you get it in, and then, of course, a lot of it has to go out. So wealth is not measured by income, but your net worth. So what is your net worth? Your net worth are your assets, what you own, minus your liabilities, what you owe. And so how do you know that income is not wealth? Well, because your salary, unlike uh, stocks, bonds, or real estate, um, cannot be passed down as inheritance to your kids, right? And so buying power is not a measure of wealth, but you're basically our capacity as consumers, right, to buy things. Like I said, homes, uh, cars, uh, clothes, food, whatever that may be. Um, and so income growth um, and the related uh, increase in this buying power uh, that blacks have seen, uh, it, can't, it can't contribute to the capacity to build wealth unless, unless you spend at levels less than the amount that you're bringing in. You hear that? So basically, doing what? Spending less than you make. And let me tell you something. That is tough for the average American because we live in this consumerism society that uh, with the images and the Instagrams and the uh, snapbooks and the face chats, um, you know, it's tough when you're seeing those things. And the TikToks where... It's all about, look what I have. Look at this vacation I took. Um, and then, of course, the commercials. Uh, buy, buy, buy. Buy this, buy that. Look what I have. Look what if you had. Look what uh, mate you could get if you, if you had these jeans or this makeup or whatever it may be. Right? And so um, you have to spend less than you make. Right? And then you use that difference to bank and invest. So in other words... Uh, the ability to build wealth depends on the degree in which you control your spending so that after you pay uh, income, uh, after you pay uh, taxes and things of that nature, and after you receive your income and you spend that on necessities of housing, food, transportation, you have something left over not just to spend but to also earmark for things such as of course, you need that emergency fund, right? Emergency savings. Uh, how about retirement savings? Um, an investment portfolio, um, maybe even buying real estate, beginning, by the way, with your own home. Um, you know, maybe you know, financing businesses, things of that nature, or acquiring other assets, appreciating assets. Um, and so right now, while, uh, you know, we've seen... Um, African-American income that has uh, grown rapidly over the last 70 years, um, you know, a lot of that spending has grown even faster, right? Which means that what's coming in is basically what's going out. And of course, with the advent of credit and credit cards, most people tend to spend even more than what they make, right? And so, um, you know, growth in, in uh, the this, this spending power uh, that we've seen over the last 20 years is, is, is fantastic, um, but only if you can adopt uh, proper, proper uh, lifestyle changes to, to make sure that you leverage it. And so what choices uh, do you have? Um, and I say you have a, uh, a wealth creation lifestyle, or you can have a poverty creation lifestyle. And so uh, what do I mean by that? We have a few more minutes. So um, a poverty creation lifestyle is basically when you spend more than you make, right? <laughs> Regardless of income um, uh, and uh, whatever you bring in, uh, it doesn't matter. You are spending more than you, than you make. So after providing for your basic necessities, um, you spend all of your income on high-priced, low-value, depreciating assets like clothes, 
like cars, jewelry, things of that nature, right? Um, and so uh, that doesn't work, right? You don't want to spend more than you make. That's a poverty creation uh, lifestyle. And this goes for anyone too. Um, and then, of course, you got the wealth creation lifestyle, right? And what's that? That is basically spending less than you make. So regardless of income, and then you, you save and you invest the difference, right? Um, on, uh, you invest the difference on things where you can earn interest, where you can earn dividends uh, and capital gains, um, you know, uh, invest in appreciating assets like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, real estate, and uh, things of that nature. So, of course, the priority needs are, are first, right? Your food, uh, housing, uh, transportation. But then saving and investing uh, can come second. And sometimes you can switch that around where you pay yourself first. And then you go for the uh, necessities. And then, of course, any luxuries that can be last and maybe even later, right, after you've, you've accumulated uh, some things. And so, you know, for... Um, that uh, report to come out that says, hey, uh, black buying power, um, you know, has, has increased in uh, 171% over the last um, 20 years, and now it's at $1.6 trillion to have a positive impact um, and build wealth. Um, uh, just have to make sure that you are judicious in the way that you spend money and, you know, make sure that, uh, you are investing um, and creating, uh, investing and appreciating assets uh, to be able to create those assets that you are able to to pass down. Because just like I said, you can't pass down your salary to your kids or grandkids, but you can pass down uh, these appreciating assets that you've accumulated over the years to create that generational wealth that we all are looking for. All right. There you go. Happy uh, Black uh, History Month um, or American History Month, whatever you like to call it. Um, That's what it is. Anyway, coming up next, we're going to have some news you can use and news you can't use. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. TLC Day. Yes, it is. And this song is Unpretty, right? Yes. And, uh, this song came out in 1999. You know, number one in the U.S. So that's okay. three number one hits we played. Hey. And number six in the U.K. So they uh, had a pretty good run worldwide. Yeah, didn't the, didn't the other one, uh, uh, No Scrubs, come out in 1999 also? They all come out around yeah, the same time? Yeah, this was on the same. The, the other one was 94. Oh, okay. So okay. Um, they had a pretty good run. You know, the one thing I do know about um, TLC is that they, uh, they ended up broke um, after their record deals and all that stuff. That They really didn't earn oh, a lot as much as uh, they all okay. like walked away with like $100,000 after selling... Wow. Each after selling, you know, millions upon millions of uh, copies. So, mm. you know, contracts, industry. man. That music industry, those contracts. Yeah. Anyway, unpretty. And uh, them only ending up with $100,000 each after this album or whatever is uh, is very unpretty. Yeah, I agree. Right. Anyway, mm-hmm. welcome back to the show, The Marcus Warren Show. And it is time. It is time, people. To get into some news you can use. All right, we talked a little bit earlier about the uh, major news this week, which was, of course, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And as a result, a slew of world leaders are hitting Russia with some sanctions. Um, of course, President Biden announced. That'd get them. <laughs> sanctions. 
Uh, President <laughs> Biden announced new sanctions on Russia's military and economy on Thursday. Um, limit, of course, exports to Russia from the U.S., target their um, state-owned enterprises, and stunt the ability to finance and grow their military. Um, the first set of sanctions was actually announced earlier in the week, which targeted some Russian financial institutions, oligarchs, access to Western financing, and a gas pipeline called the Nord Stream 2 mm. gas pipeline in Russia. Um other countries have uh, joined in with the U.S. in sanctioning Russia. Um, they've uh, actually been sanctioned by uh, West, the Western countries since 2014. Yeah, all the time. Which was, I mean, we're always yes. sanctioning somebody. That's you right. Know, but yeah, it's it a way to kind of avoid going to war, right? Uh, reprimand instead yeah. of uh, going into fight. Yeah, that's, um, that's good. Yeah, that's some uh, I know. Yeah, some other uh, economic impacts um, that we saw were, of course, uh, like you mentioned, global oil prices rose to above a hundred dollars a barrel on Thursday. Right, it's after. been a while since that has happened. I remember a yes. hundred dollar barrel oil, uh, hundred dollar a barrel oil. Um, wow, t- two thousand five, maybe six. Yeah, like, it's been a while. It's been a long time. Um, Of course, energy prices were already high um, from the pandemic and surging demand after the pandemic. Um, And Russia is one of the world's top producers and exporters of natural oil and gas. Um, And of course, investors are fearing that uh, potentially some of their exports could be disrupted due to the invasion. Of course. Um, Russia's main uh, stock market index, the MOEX, it closed down 33% um, during the day. Of course, the Russian yeah. ruble sank to a record low, um, rebound a little bit on Friday. Um, yeah. What else happened? Of course, you mentioned U.S. stocks fluctuated Thursday, recovered yeah. uh, by the end of the week. I'm telling you, man, it's... Uh you know, Thursday was down, ended up Friday's big day. Yeah. Um, you know, and even, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, next week. Right. But, um, yes. but it's just going to be volatile. It That's is. all. Because and then there's it, a lot of volatility. Government, uh, government bond yields also fell because more investors, like you were talking about, um, got a little nervous yeah. about the invasion, took some of their money out of the market, put it into bond yeah, they did. Uh, treasuries. And as you purchase treasuries and those prices go up, the yields go down. That's how that works. There you go. All right. What else? We got all here? right. Let's talk about inflation. So by oh. now, you probably noticed higher price tags on groceries, consumer goods. In December, the U.S. Consumer Price Index rose by 7% year over year. It's, I think it was 7.5% in January. It's the highest rate that we've seen in about 40 or so years. Yep. Um, in, resp- in response to the rising inflation and some supply chain issues, some companies are passing these costs along to their consumers. We've got Procter & Gamble. That's how it always is. That's right. Pass the cost down. Um, of course, Procter & Gamble sells a lot of stuff. Common household items like Tide detergent, Dawn dishwashing liquid. They reported that their sales grew by 6%. Even though they raised prices by uh, 3% in previous quarters, their sales rose a little bit lower than that. But some economists and politicians are raising concerns about the price of consumer goods, pointing out that although some companies are citing inflation or supply chain issues, um, they're not just breaking even. Their profit margins are actually increasing. Right. That's called good old capitalism, right? You know, you uh, find an opportunity. Uh, what, what did, um, um, who was the old mayor of Chicago? Um, it was... It was, uh, you're gonna say, you, you were going to go way back and say blogged of whatever well, name was. and he was governor. Right, that was a governor. Daily? Um, no, it was uh, on the Obama. Um, he was one of uh, Obama's advisors. But he said you never let a oh, good Oh, yes, Rob crisis, Emanuel. Yeah, Emanuel. He said he never let a good crisis uh, go to waste. Go to waste. And, um, you know, and so pe- uh, businesses are seeing an opportunity just that inflation is going up. So they're like, hey, you know what we can take advantage of? We can hike our prices. We'll blame it on inflation, and we'll see our profit margins go up. Yes. That is uh, what they've done. That's right, because they are increasing prices more than their costs are increasing, a.k.a. just economics 101, I guess. Take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren um, and former U.S. Labor Secretary Robert Reich both are talking both have, have written some letters. Uh, Warren, uh, Elizabeth Warren wrote uh, letters to the CEO of major grocery chains asking how they are able to enjoy uh, 60% profit growth uh, uh, year over year. Um, right. And it's, like you said, because they're right. increasing prices more than the cost of inflation is. And I think that, that most consumers and people can, 
we understand, hey, if it costs you more to make a widget, then it's you're probably going to pass some of those costs on to us, so it's going to cost us more to buy a widget. Yes. But the outrage comes to light when they're raising the price of the widget way beyond their cost. Yes. And so natural inflation, when everyone basically uh, breaks even, although the consumer generally doesn't break even because wage growth mm-hmm. has not uh, kept up with inflation. No. But uh, as, as it should, but um, we can save that debate for, for, for another episode. But um, uh, they get upset when they see the greed that mm-hmm. goes into some of these companies. So yep. there you go. Okay. All right. What else? Let's Give move us one on. More. The Justice Department said earlier this month that they had seized over $3.6 billion worth of stolen Bitcoin. And they arrested a married couple accused of laundering the cryptocurrency that hackers had stolen six years ago. See, I thought you weren't able to steal Bitcoin Me because of the too. blockchain, everything's decentralized, blah, blah, blah. All the great things that, uh, you know, this new banking system was going to, you know, banking system me- meaning uh, Bitcoin and the blockchain and cryptocurrencies were supposed to revolutionize the 21st century where things like this wouldn't happen. I need somebody and to explain it to me, too, go. because every you well, know benefit that, that people have, have touted for Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and this decentralized, everybody you know holds everybody accountable, untraceable, all that stuff. I just every question I ask, how do you hack it? How do you steal it? How uh, does the IRS track it? How does the IRS know who, you know, because they're now starting to track cryptocurrency, which well. is, by the way, Tax can be taxable transactions, FYI. People who yes. might think that they're not, they can be. But, yep. uh, you know, all these questions that I have, I need somebody, the Bitcoin expert, to explain it to me. Yeah. How, how does the benefit of all of this stuff Any work? Any Bitcoin experts out there, give us a call. We'll, uh, we'll have it. We'll you know, put you on the show. We can talk about it. You can explain this this stuff to us and to our our listeners out there. Yes. So there well, like you said, in uh, uh, Hackers Hack in 2016, uh, uh, of course. Uh, one of the exchanges called Bitfinex got hacked, um, and I guess they, they stole over 100,000, uh, 119,000 Bitcoin, and now this couple got traced back to some of yeah. the original stolen Bitcoin, and well, they were trying to, to launder it just like, to me, uh, uh, just like the Ozarks. Anything, anything yes. that's out there in the digital world can mm-hmm. be hacked, Yeah. period. No matter how uh, encrypted you try to make something, mm-hmm. there's always you know, somebody out Digital there who's going to signature. try to, to hack it yeah. and do whatever. Mm-hmm. And if people understand that, then uh, I guess the world will be a better place. <laughs> but anyway, thank you, Dee, <laughs> for that uh, news. There's no hope. You're saying there's no hope. Oh, there's always hope. Yeah. Um, you know, and I have the most hope into... One of our segments that is taking the world by storm and where I place my hope in in, is in the news you can't use. Oh, in the news you can't use. Well, hey, you'll like this one. Your favorite, your favorite, uh, your favorite, uh, uh, billionaire Elon Musk. Yeah. He offered a 19-year-old college student named Jack Sweeney $5,000 to shut down a Twitter account that was tracking the location of Elon Musk's private jet. Um, it's at five, five, that's it. Five, yeah, that's what the that's what Mr. Sweeney said too. He was like, <laughs> "Can you add another zero to that or two zeros?" Yes. Yeah, so at Elon Jet is one of 50, 15 tracking flight tracking accounts that Sweeney has created. It's run by bots that he's programmed to basically figure out where some high profile people are flying around on their private jets. Of hey, course, that's pretty cool. Um, I don't even, I'm not even on social media, but that almost makes me. Actually, why do I even care where these guys or gals fly? Yeah, which I don't care. yacht and which island they fly from uh, this day versus the next. Exactly. Um, I, you know, well, of course, Musk said this, you know, is a potential security risk because there's, you know, some people out there who might 
use this information in the wrong way. Um, so he was basically offering. So, so five thousand. So he saw he's that concerned. Yeah. He offers five thousand dollars, which by the Correct. way is in his sock. Correct. <laughs> That's true. Correct. Yes. And like I said, Sweeney respond. He was DMing him. Sweeney posted, shared these these DMs. He said basically, well, can you maybe like throw me in a Tesla or you know add another zero to that or whatever. That's what I'm saying. Um, Elon Musk said he'll have to think about it and has not responded since then. So yeah. there we go. Yeah. The site is uh, apparently still active. Yes. He does not negotiate with Twitterist. That's right. He does not. There we go. But uh, got time for one more. Let's do one more. Okay. A Tennessee family said their pet pig might be the oldest in the world after reaching 24 years of age. You're patting yourself oh, yeah. on the back for to negotiate with Twitterist. That was okay. Yeah, that was good. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. So what about this 24-year-old pig? Is it that is, that's old for yes, a pig? A pet pig. Apparently, yes. Um, the Hunt family in Knoxville, Tennessee, said their pig Snort was only four years old when his parents, uh, when uh, this gentleman's parents got him Yes. The pit, uh, the pig as a pet, and now it is 24 years, or he is 24 years old, older than baby Jane, who was a pig that died at the age of 23. So now we have the Guinness World Record for the oldest pig ever pig in captivity. And um, I just looked. Yes. Uh, and it was almost 100 years old. It's oh. five, five years. One human year is five ah, pig years. There we go. Uh, so, no, one five pig years yes. is one human year. You said yes. it, you said I did. You I said, said it right. It. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't even know what I'm saying. That's right. But so he was almost okay. 100 years old. Well, oh, there you go. Well, and still alive. So oh, still alive. 24. So still, oh, yeah. and, oh, 24. Okay. Shoot, I was, I was right. Kicking. Alive and kicking. Alive and snorting. That's there right. you go. All right. Thank you, D, for that news you can't use. And we all know what that music means. It means we've come to the end of the show. I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a great week and take it easy on this Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Marcus Warren Show. For more information or to request your retirement toolkit, contact Marcus at 502-339-8255 or visit his website at talktomarcus.com. Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.